Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll give an example. There's the, the law of confession. Through the law of confession, we get saved and set free. Can I have an amen? And through that law of confession, we maintain a relationship with God and, and grow in the things of God. There's the law of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And there's, there's the law of love. The Bible says the law of love never fails. So these specific laws, the next law we're talking about to understanding it is the law of sowing and reaping. Why are these laws important to understand? Because it's like any law that if you don't understand, uh, understand the specifics of that law, you can li- it'll work against you instead of for you. Can I have an amen? It literally will work against you. And uh, um, years ago, there was a prophecy given, I don't think it was David Ingalls or something, and, he, and we've quoted it through the years. Uh, my people can have what they say, but instead they're saying what they have. And so even the law of confession can work for you or work against you. It worked against the children of Israel, and we don't want to make the same re- uh, mistakes and repeat history in that manner. Can I have an amen? So in Mark, the fourth chapter, we have something that we know as the parable of the sower. Let's read verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. What is a parable? A parable is simply a natural story that one uses to reveal a spiritual principle or truth. And, and it was so neat that God, uh, you know, the Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways, right? And it says his thoughts are higher than ours. But isn't it beautiful that he came down to our level so we could understand who he is? So Jesus uh, told natural stories because he knew us earthlings wouldn't be able to connect to the eternal things of God without natural stories that parallel that truth. And that's why he used them. And in his teaching, the Bible says, he said, listen, listen up. A farmer went out to sow his field. And he was scattering the seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered. Why? Because they had no root. And then other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and produced, uh, excuse me, grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, and even a hundredfold. Somebody shout amen. amen. Then Jesus asked, or said, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was saying, listen, if you want to reap the kingdom of God blessings, listen, you're going to have stewardship on your part is going to be required. You, you, if, if you're going to reap a harvest in the future, you're going to have to understand there's a big gap between seed time and harvest time. And that is, when, that is the time that you have to manage the field if you're going to expect a harvest in the fall. Amen. If you agree, say amen. amen. So from this illustration, the parable of the sower is all about farming. It's about sowing and reaping. It's about seed time and harvest. And, it, and it's true whether it is the natural things that you need in your life for the outer man or the spiritual things you need in your life for the inward man, except the man plant a seed, he cannot expect a harvest. And then there's something beautiful that you can just add this in your notes if you want to, something called the law of Genesis, meaning everything produces after its own, um, uh, after its own kind. And it's very interesting how in the book of Genesis, immediately God uh, gives Adam everything that he needs in his life, um, 
everything he would need in his life forever. You remember, man was supposed to live in the earth forever, forever, eternally, forever in that, in that divine preservation of God being in the fullness of man. But when he transgressed, you know, we, uh, then all of a sudden in time, God in his mercy uh, brought lifespan down to 120 years. Uh, uh, and, so, um, and so I'm glad for that. Uh, I mean, this life. I wouldn't want to be a Methuselah who lived to be, whatever, 969 years old. Boy, that'd be a bummer. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, so God was merciful in there. So anyway, let's go on, verse 26. So Jesus goes on, and we're going to skip the parable of the sower for a second, and we're going to show you the truth about seed time and harvest. In verse 26, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He's going to help you understand how the kingdom of God operates, all right? How many here are in the kingdom of God? Raise your hand. If you're born again, you're in his kingdom. So you have to understand how his kingdom works, okay? Uh, the kingdom of God is, is like a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Uh, all by itself, this, I mean, listen, there are going to be situations in your life Till you get to heaven that you don't know how in the world you're going to make it through that situation. But if you align up with what God promised in his word, he'll make the impossible possible. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no limitations for those who walk the life of faith and walk close to God. I said there's no limitations. Hallelujah. No mountain that can't be moved. Hallelujah. God promised that in his word. Let's go on. He says, all by itself the soil produces again, or produces grain. First the stalk then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Uh, verse 30, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable or story shall we use to describe it? Well, it's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all gardens. He's, simply, he's he, a garden plant. What he, here's what he's saying there. You, in the, when it comes to the unbelievable, you all right? When it comes to the unbelievable, gigantic, listen, problems that you face in life, the word of God can look small until you plant it. And if you allow patience to have its perfect work, praise God, and that, that thing will grow and it will conquer anything that you're dealing with in your life. It'll conquer it, hallelujah. It'll grow and become, uh, uh, it'll become what you need it to be in regards to what you're believing God for. So he goes on and, and, uh, and, and I finished it, praise God. And uh, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch into its shade. So both the seed and the soil will always do their part. However, listen, for a seed to reach its full potential, managing the soil will be required. I just want you to understand that. Managing the soil is going to be required. In verse 14, Jesus identifies what kind of seed that he was talking about that the parable of the sower sowed. The Bible says that sower sows the word or the sower sows God's word. God gave us 66 bags of soil. Hallelujah. More, amen. More than enough to last a lifetime. Hallelujah. For the blessings and the provision that you have need of in your life. Give God a good shot of praise for that. A bag full of seed. 66 six bags of seed for you to sow. And um, uh, uh, in fact, listen, so he calls his word a seed. In fact, in the book of Genesis, God defines his word as seed in the beginning of time. When Lucifer 
uh, fell and he came slithering in the garden to tempt a man and, and at, uh, the Bible said the woman was deceived. God in return uh, gave to Lucifer his eternal destiny or the outcome of his life. And he says this, he said, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. The word head there means your position of authority. The seed, how many believe that Jesus conquered the devil at Calvary? Hallelujah. I know a lot of times you're, you're, we've heard people through the years say this, not at Faith Family, we know better. Oh, I tell you, the devil's just been after me all week. Well, I'm supposed to be under your feet. I said he's supposed to be under your feet. Amen. And if he's a defeated foe, he's a defeated foe. Amen. Praise the Lord. In John 7, verse 42, Jesus is called the seed of David. So when God spoke that word, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head, there was nothing the devil could do to stop that from coming to pass. Even though it took 4,000 years, God, hallelujah, provided himself a harvest for whosoever believes, adheres to, and, and embraces the redemptive work of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I don't care how dark your life is, he'll bring you out of darkness into his glorious light, if you will believe him. Amen. He'll set you free from whatever bondages you're in. I know when we, I say this, and it's true, when we come into our Christianity, we bring our culture. And um, I brought my culture into our Christianity. My daddy was an alcoholic. My grandfather was a pedophile. And all, these, uh, all this generational curse came, uh, came into my life. But praise God, when I got to the altar, hallelujah, Jesus set me free so that I could live a life of victory. Hallelujah. Amen. And you'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for all of us. He's not a respecter of persons. I don't care how many perverts were in your family. You can be a man or a woman of righteousness and live free from the impulses of the flesh. Praise God. You can live free. Always be there, but you can live free from them. Just don't feed them. Can I have an amen? amen. Proverbs. Um, uh, or anyway, um, he says here in this parable, he says the seed of God's word is sown within the heart or the inner uh, in the spirit of man. Listen, everything about our lives from the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we respond under pressure, um, uh, all, 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 all the things of life that we are is, is the result of seed time and harvest. It's, 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 it's what people sowed into our lives. When I was a young kid and going through all this uh, torment in my life, I didn't realize that I thought everybody else was okay and I was the only one messed up. But then I realized we're all messed up. Come on, you know, amen. Well, um, Randy shared earlier his testimony and uh, a little bit, and um, I was part of that. I, I got to be blessed to be part of that divine and supernatural change in his life, but he had to be responsible to, to walk it out. He had to be responsible to take hold of it and walk it out in his life, praise God. And today, he, he's no different. Uh, he's a good-looking guy with a nice, good-looking suit, but not as good-looking as mine. But anyway, he... <laughs> But he still has to work out his salvation with fear and trembling, just like all of us. You're going to have the same challenges, the same temptations, the same obstacles, and the same devils uh, trying to uh, get you off of the plan of God. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says, God hates a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. He hates a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. That's the Amplified Translation. However, if you're a good steward of God's word, we're, uh, you're capable of manufacturing all the good things that God has promised in his word in regards not only to his personality, but to his promises. I believe Solomon recognized the power of seed time and harvest uh, through, through what he wrote in Proverbs 4. But he, and he starts out by saying, my son. So he wants his family to understand the power 
of seed time and harvest. Here's what he said. My son, Proverbs 4, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they will bring or they will harvest life to those that find them in healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It really does. It determines. I mean, everything in your life is harvested from the heart. So if you guard your heart, you can be, you can be confident that your heart will direct you into a greater God life for you in your life. Amen? Um, uh, so the parable of the sower, and we'll read this and we'll just cover one today uh, before we close. The parable of the sower is about the God's word being sowed into four different environments of soil. The soil was the same. The word is the same. But the environment to which the soil, uh, the seed was sown was, was four different kinds of environments. This is what we want to get to. All right? So and the King James says it this way. There's a wayside heart. We call that the hard heart. There's the stony heart. We call it the spiritually shallow heart. There's the thorny heart or the distracted heart. Then there's the good heart or the spiritually healthy heart. How many want a spiritually healthy heart? Amen. I do too. All right, verse 14 and 15. The farmer plants the word. This is the message. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches away what has been planted in them. The King James side reference says they're indifferent hearers. I mean, they're, they're listening, but they're, they're, really, they're really not interested. And because they're not interested, Satan has no problem because the seed is laying right on top. He just comes right away and takes it out of your life. That's why when you come to church, I'll talk to you. If you're visiting here today, you are our guest. We're honored. I mean, I don't anymore. I just am so honored when people come. And, and, if, and I just want you to know, if you come to Faith Family Church and make it your church, you'll be taught the word of God. You'll be taught the principles of the word of God that will bring victory into your life. Everybody give God a good shot if you believe that. Amen. It's true. Um, but again, of course, you know, we have to apply it to our lives. But what an honor it is to be able to, uh, to, to, to preach the word of God, to receive insight and understanding in the word so our lives can be better for the glory of God. So he snatches the word. When you come to church, man, you got to prepare your heart uh, so that your heart is cultivated and tender and pliable to the things of God. So let's look today just for a min- minute at the hard heart, the first one. Amen. Some people are like the seed that falls in the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word of God, Satan snatches it, that, the seed that has been planted therein. When the children of Israel um, came out of the promised land, God's divine will for them. Now, I just want to hear this. God's perfect will was for them to go in to a land that he had already given them, and he would go before them and prepare the way. Amen. And so all they had to do is remain in faith. Amen. That's all they had to do. And, listen, by remaining in faith, giving God praise. I've shared this with many people through the years. I believe the thing that honors God the most in our lives is when we have a thankful heart. When we just thank him. Thank him. I mean, even you're going through hell today. You're having a tough day. You know, you thank him for your salvation. You thank him for his love. You thank him for his mercy. You thank him for his compassion. You thank him that his spirit lives in you. I mean, just be a thankful person. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what honors God, to be thankful. So anyway, instead of being thankful, they begin to murmur and complain. And guess what? The seeds of their negative confession became their harvest. God specifically said, the words that you have spoken in my ears, so shall it be. 
And what did they say? It'd be better if we just die in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. I mean, you may have a bad day, but your days ain't close to what they were before you met Jesus as far as bad. Can I have an amen? What does Brother, what does brother uh, Dr. Barclay say? Do you remember his, con- his confession? The worst day of your life as a Christian is better, far better than the best day you had as a sinner. Something like that. All right, you didn't know what's up. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, for them, for the children of Israel, they were to reap this awesome land of promise. A land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible, honey, the Bible says. However, because their journey was a challenge, instead of praising God, they murmured and they reaped the harvest of their calloused, hard, unreceptive, and unyielding heart. Hebrews, the third chapter. If you want to turn there, we're going to read a portion of Scripture. Why is this important? This Scripture here is very important because it ties the church into that story of them journeying across the world in the, in the wilderness. They're journeying. They, le- they left Egypt. How many here left Egypt? When you, uh, when you accepted Christ in your life, you left Egypt. How many, you left, amen, you left Egypt. You finally got freed from, you know, that bondage, that torment of your life. And, um, and so this is, so he compares our journey to the children of Israel's journey. We'll read Genesis 3, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. Now, I want you to catch this now. Catch this now. Think careful about Jesus, okay? For he was faithful to God. So, so the emphasis on here is that he wants you to know that Jesus was faithful to God. All right, let's go on. And who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. So we have the faithfulness of Jesus and we have the faithfulness of Moses. Let's go on. But Jesus deserves far more glory, and I put in parentheses, faithfulness. Brother Jeff talked a little bit about that last week. He's, Okay, but Jesus deserves far more glory or faithfulness than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built, and that word built in the Greek, very interesting word, it means spiritually equipped. That's what I mean, I looked it up. I thought built, I wonder what that means, built, because we think about building something with our hands. He says, but the one who built or spiritually equipped everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. And what's the truth? That just as Jesus was faithful to the Father and Moses was faithful to the Father, God is expecting us to be faithful to the Father. That's what he's wanting us to see. Okay. And um, he goes on. Uh, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ says the son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if. There's a precondition. If. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. That means you can. You can. But don't. Avoid that at all costs. Man, pride is a powerful force. Pride is a powerful force. If you think you don't have pride, 
Let someone correct you. No. Many years ago, someone came to me and said, Pastor, if you ever see anything wrong in my life, please correct me. I correct them, they're gone. That went really good. So if you need correction, go to the Word of God and go to the Spirit of God. Don't come to me. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, that is why the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. When the Bible says love never fails, listen, then make sure that your heart remains flooded with God's love. When the Bible says this is the victory of the Lord comes to the world, even our faith, then make sure you're, you are preserving an unwavering belief in all that he has promised in his word because it'll keep you from getting a hard heart. You have to understand, this journey on this side of heaven is no different than Israel's for the church. We are going to be bombarded with challenges in our lives. And I think sometimes we think we're Americans, so therefore, you know, we're Americans, so we're prosperous, you know, we're Americans, you know, nothing's ever, nothing ever is going to happen to us. Oh my goodness, we are living on the edge. Uh, I mean, the nations are convulsing. The nations are shaking. We, we are on the edge of possible World War III. Things are not good. But see, our faith and our hope must remain strong in the Lord. Can I have an amen? Must. And I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. I'm not. But my goodness gracious, there's no such thing as a heaven on earth. The only heaven on earth is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. So we have to remember that. Let's go on. Verse 8. Just a few more minutes. Uh, It says, they stealed. That word steals. They were unbendable. They were unbendable. It says, they steeled themselves against his love, complained against him in the desert while he was testing them. But God was patient with them 40 years. Though they tried his patience sorely, he kept right on doing his mighty miracles for them to see. But God said, this is God said. I mean, God says something that's pretty serious. He says, I was very angry with them for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me. And they never found the paths I wanted them to follow. You know, I wish I'd go back. I'll maybe share some things. But in both stories, in Mark the fourth chapter and in Matthew 13, it says this, that it talks about seeing. They hear, but they don't perceive. They see, but they can't see. They hear, but they don't really hear what God is saying unless there's a conversion on the inside. We can come to church every Sunday and literally leave getting nothing from God because we haven't dealt with the issues internally. I mean, it's just the way it is. Your perception of spiritual truth will be determined by the, by the health of your heart. And every week we've got things that come against us that we literally can allow them in to take root on the inside. And all of a sudden, we're far, far more different than we really thought we were when it comes to Christianity. How many here want people to see Christ in you 24 hours a day? We all want that. Amen. Verse 12. So beware. That's a warning for the church. Beware then of your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from the living God. So speak to each other about these things every day while there's still time. Still time for what? To change the condition of your own heart. 
so that none of you will become hardened against God, being blinded by the glamour of sin. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as we did when we first become Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. You got to remember that the Old Testament believers in Hebrews 11, they never even attained to the promise that you and I have today. But they believed for it, and they didn't quit on God. They never retreated. They stayed faithful. Proverbs 28 says this, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the man who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord at all times, regardless of circumstances, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Can't harden your heart. So how does a callus form? You know, you think about the word hard heart. It, 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 the word hard, in, literally in the Greek, means calloused. How does a callus form? By repetitive, by repetitive irritations. And I believe that's why the one of the reasons why the Lord gave the mathematical equation of seventy times seven when it comes to forgiveness. Because in, in every relationship, uh, every, that's all we have in this life is relationships with God and with one another. And every relationship gets assaulted by the enemy, gets tested. Amen. This is only a test. A few years ago I said this is only a test. Remember that on, on TV? Ah! And ghosts are just driving you nuts. You can't turn her down because it's a test. That's what sometimes it is in your life. These things are screaming at you. And you got to remember, it's only a test. <laughs> We're going to get through this. So we become, we become callous through different things. A consistency of being hurt, abused, especially emotionally, from being taken advantage of. Hardness of heart is created through dissension, strife, unforgiveness, or offense. And listen, I, I just... You just have to know, I don't care what church you go to, everybody in these churches have the same challenges because we, we have the same devil who's going about seeking whom he may devour. So life can be hard and difficult at times, especially when you're desiring to live in harmony within your relationships. It's something that we have to work out on a daily basis. Paul, being inspired by the, by, by the Holy Ghost, warns the believers in Ephesus about becoming hard-hearted. We're almost done here. Almost finished. Ephesians 4, look at this scripture. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify on the Lord, that ye, say, that's me, Amen. Amen. henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Because, see, that's where all warfare begins, originates right here, in the, in the vanity of your mind. Having the understanding darkened, okay, Darkened, being alienated. That word alienated in the Greek means severed. Being severed from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness or the hardness or the callousness, the callousness of their heart. Let's go on. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Amen. So you can see there in Ephesians there, he says, don't walk. You can, but don't walk there. Just avoid it at all costs. And then he goes on, he says, put on Christ. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Amen. So we're all in the journey. Same journey the children of Israel were in. 
And whether we like it or not, there will be seasons. I'm sorry. There's going to be seasons of setbacks, disappointments. There will be seasons of heartache. But if we remain true to God and protect our hearts and keep our hearts tender and pliable, yielding and receptive to the Holy Spirit, God will take us through whatever we're going through and bring us out the other side in victory. Can I have an amen? Ephesians 4, verse 31. Paul says this. Let all bitterness, indignation, wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment. You wouldn't think we'd have these challenges, but we do. Um, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you even just a minute ago. Chapter 5. Remember, there's no chapters in Paul's letters. They just broke them up for the studier to understand a little better. But chapter 5, he goes around. He says, watch what God does, and then you do it. See, if you watch what people do, you get disappointed. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. There's going to be times, and I say often, when you'll be required to love by faith, give by faith, serve by faith, forgive by faith, yet in all times, walk by faith. It's going to be required of you. It wasn't coincidental what Jesus said while addressing mountain-moving faith in Matthew, or Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 25. He says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, let it drop, and leave and let it go. Because if you, if you do that, then when it comes to your transgressions, God will do the same for you. One more verse in Ecclesiastes 11 is a short one. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. What does that mean? If you're just looking for the right opportunity to make things right, it'll never happen. You just have to go ahead and do it. I want you to bow your head and we're going to pray for you today. Musicians, if you'd like to come forward. So we're simply talking about the hardness of heart. Hosea, when it comes to that, he says, you need, you need to break up the fallow ground. You need to break up or cultivate the hardness of, of the things that surface in your life inwardly. You need to do that. How do you do that? You do it through repentance. Years ago, years ago, I had someone do something really hard against Vicky and I, and, and I was chewing on that down the road one day, and God spoke to me, and he, he spoke to me very firmly. And uh, he, he's, he's awesome. I'm glad he does these things. He spoke to me, and I was driving in, the tr- in my truck, and I was just chewing on what this guy had done to us. And he said it very firmly. He says, you forgive him. He said it that way. You forgive him. Boy, I tell you, I didn't. I mean, it's just, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I forgive him. I mean, you just got to let it go. And let God, only God can correct things in our lives. We get involved, we just make them worse. We just make them worse.
So how do, you, how do you forgive? You do it by faith. How do you let things go? You do it by faith. I've said this to the years. You know, there's some people, there's some people I don't like. I got to love them, but I don't necessarily like to like them. Some of you like that. You thought, well, that's good. I, I, can, I can work with that. Why don't we stand? I mean, for any of this to work, for any of, for, for you to have any healing on the inside, the first thing you have to do is have the healer on the inside. And his name is Jesus. And again, I don't know, look around here, I don't know who's here that don't know the Lord, but I want to present to you an invitation to receive Christ into your heart or if need be to rededicate your heart to the Lord. And um, I tell you, the temptations are out there. Our culture is as dark as it's ever been. And if you don't choose your friends wisely, your friends will snare you and take you down with them. It's just the way, I, it, you know, what does that mean? Well, that, does that mean we're better than them? Absolutely not. The only thing that makes us better in the sense of a, a, of a greater quality of life is that we have Christ in us. But even that, but even that in itself isn't going to bring great victory in your life. You have to make sure that you are stewarding and managing this piece of real estate called your own spirit. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.